This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live cast here on Twitch. So good to join you today. Uh, with me is not the raw dog this time. It's instead no. Mr. Scott Reed, who hey. is he's the man for all things Age of Sigmar with us. And the reason that we have him here today is because we're going to talk about a very cool new battle tome for Age of Sigmar, the Gloomspite Gits. Very excited about this. It's a really cool, really, we'll talk about it more, but it really brings me back to the roots of Warhammer fantasy in, in many ways. But before we dive into that, uh, my name is Reese. I'm your host, as always, and the cast is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week, including the new Gloomspite Gits, which you can pick up at a discount over at store.frontlinegaming.org. We have free shipping options within the continental United States. Very cool. Obviously, we also have a blog and, other, and all kinds of other fun stuff. So check it out if you are so inclined. But before we dive into all of that goodies, all that goodness, Let's talk about a little thing called the Las Vegas Open 2019. It is now a month away. Yeah. Every year I'm like, how did it come? How did it sneak up on us so quickly? It really makes me feel old. I'm like, I, I, I like legitimately feel like we just got done with the last, the LVO 2018. And here we are. Yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago. It, really, it does not. Like, you know, I had a shocker. Uh, this week, earlier in the week, I didn't have an actual shocker, like a metaphorical shocker. The uh, uh, got an email from uh, uh, someone from my high school, and they're like, "Get ready for your 20-year high school reunion." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Get used to it; it'll happen again. I was like, "It'll be 30 have, years." I was like, "You have got to be kidding me!" That's not. I was like, "There's been a mistake here. I, I demand a recount. <laughs> How can this possibly be?" Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I'm excited. I'm actually really better. excited. No, <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm actually really excited to go to, uh, to go see everybody. Cause you know, you fall out of touch, um, with people, but, uh, it's crazy. Cause I was talking to my grandparents and they're like, where do we just go to the high school reunion to see who's still around? You know? still breathing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's a little morbid, but, um, it is a good way to go and get in touch with people. My mom just went to her for, I think 40 and, uh, she had a blast. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody, but it did, it really did make me feel old. I'm not quite there yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. But uh, really excited. The LVO is just around the corner and uh, wanted to put out just kind of some fun information, make sure everybody's ready to, to, to go. And, and we do our best to be transparent and communicate and want to make sure that everybody's ready to rock and roll for the event. So uh, first of all, today is the last day to get a refund. Um, it's the, the by midnight PST uh, Pacific Standard Time tonight. If you email us with a refund request, don't freak out. If you don't hear back right away, we're all crazy busy. This is the busiest time of the year for us. But if uh, they get it in today before midnight, you're good. Okay, you're good. And it it, I, it feels like we are getting. I mean, by a by a pure n numerical analysis, like we have more refunds than we've ever had, more transfer requests than we've ever had. And it's, it was like kind of freaking us out a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, so many people. But by are, percentages. It's the same as usual. Okay. It's business yeah. as usual. But uh, 
you know, if you have a 10% refund rate on a 50 person event, that's five, pe five people. If you have a 10% refund uh, rate on an 800 person event, that's 80 people. Yeah, that's, so that's more people. It's a, that's yeah. Cool. It was a bit of a shock for us this year because the we've like the event in general has grown like it's like 23, 24% in attendance, which is insane. Well, the first time I went, I think you were tipping over 200 because I think you had two rounds yeah. on, the, on the Sunday. Yeah, we were 256 and in the That's the first beginning. one I went to. Mm -hmm. And now we're, we, we peaked at 808. We're back into the mid 700s now after uh, processing refunds. And if you are waiting, just please just bear with us. Like we, um, it, it's like, we just don't have enough people to do it. It's a manual process. So just, just bear with us. We're getting through them as quickly as we can while trying to do everything else. Uh, Frankie took a quick little vacation, which, you know, he's been working seven days a week. So it's like, yep. you deserve it. So just, just bear with us. We, you absolutely will get taken care of. It's just taking us longer than it ever has because there's simply more of them. Um, and as a FYI, uh, this year we learned a pretty, we learned our lesson. We're, we're going to have to change our policy for years to come, but oh, don't, that. yeah, I mean, for this year, you're, it's obviously it is what it is, but um, we're looking at some other events like Gen Con and stuff to see how they handle it. Uh, because clearly they have a lot more experience. Yeah, well, and at the numbers you're working with, a, a refund, that percentage is a large number of people. You'd almost have to hire a halftime guy just to come in and keep it's, up with it. It's exactly the manpower issue. It's like, it's making it harder to do everything else. Um, and really too, like from a cash flow perspective too, when you have that many people and everyone waits to the last minute. Yep. When they're all requesting a refund request at the last minute, that's a lot of money that goes back out when it's all already been spent. So um, I won't bore everybody with the business aspect of it, but... Just as a friendly FYI, we will have to do a little bit of a change course for years to come just to make it more manageable. But- um, It'll be the same thing a lot of other large events do. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It, it, we have to, and it's just a, it's just a part of growth, you know, like um, that, that is what it is. But uh, it's a good problem to have because the event has grown so much and uh, we're really, really excited to see everybody. Uh, the whole staff here is going full tilt. Most of us are working seven days a week and uh, but it's fun though, it's exciting. It's a bit of a bear yeah. to get some of the more laborious parts of it done, but. <laughs> you mean cutting hills that yeah. I'm staring at there? Yeah, around the, uh, literally surrounding the broadcast desk is all you can see is terrain. Well, and you snap some pictures, so those are up. Yeah. So yeah, why don't we take a look at some of those pictures, uh, Mariana, uh, the magical woman on the production table doing it all by herself. Uh, we took, we've took some fun pictures just cause it's always, we always just kind of want to show you all like, hey, this is what your ticket is paying for. We're all working our tails off to get what we think is just fantastic terrain. We're really proud of it. Quality tables, quality interactions. Yeah. It takes um, time. And there's me, it was funny. Someone said I look like Bane. I was like, yeah. He was like, you, I was born of the hills. <laughs> you, you just adopted them later. Yeah, it was really, that was a really funny comment on our uh, Facebook page. There's uh, Mariana. Uh, She's doing the very tedious, but uh, really cool part of doing the detail work on the terrain. So if you see her, make sure to say thank you because thank as, you. as somebody who's done it, it's not her. fun. Thank you, Scott. I see her. She's right there. Yeah, she's right behind the camera. <laughs> uh, that part is not fun. and But, but it, it makes all the difference in the way that terrain looks. such a difference. Like yeah. it, it just makes such a dramatic difference to spend just a little bit of time to put in that extra work. To, to put some brushwork on the terrain. And I know for a lot of people, you're like, yeah, big deal. I'm like, think about doing it for hundreds of tables. Yeah, I just had to prep nine tables for a local tournament and that took, you know, just get all those, picking out those little details, painting mushrooms, uh, the 
little things on the buildings. To, yeah. But it made all the difference when you put them on the table and take a picture of them. It does. That little bit of extra work is what separates a great event from a good event. Like it, it just like anything in life, it's the, that, that's that little bit extra yeah. that you do that pushes it over the edge towards being awesome. And uh, we always try to do that. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for the team for work, sacrificing their weekends and staying late to get it done. So uh, I think everyone's in for a real treat. Some of the tables you've been making for Age of Sigmar, are, yep. they're yeah. awesome. Oh, thanks. They're really good. Well, and building all the terrain GW sent in. Yeah. We get the stacks of. I've almost threw all the Sigmar terrain. I'm down to eight boxes. Yeah. So those should be done today. So. That's, yeah, it, it's, and GW was really generous. They sent us quite a bit of, of terrain. Their new uh, building kits look amazing, but they, they are so slow to build. <laughs> so I want to be, th throw a big shout out to Jose again. He's been coming in and volunteering to help build them. And just, yeah, the 40K ones are like each individual wall section, kind of like the old buildings yeah. were with a little more detail. So those take a while just to stack together and let the glue set before you move to the next section. Exactly. So you all have seen uh, some of these pictures of just like the insane amount of terrains. And believe it or not, that's like 25% of what we need. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the, Age of, the new Age of Sigmar tables too, like I was saying, look really, really good. So if you're an AOS player, you're in for a treat. Um, and not only the ones that Scott are making. Well, yeah, the, the stuff they sent we put together. You don't have a desert set already. Yeah. Flocked them. They look great. They're going to look yep. amazing on the table. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm really pleased with the way that it's all coming together. And we're shooting for in the neighborhood of six to 10 per se per table, depending on the size and scope of each piece. Pieces of terrain. So it's going to yeah. be plenty of terrain covering everything. Yeah. It's because for AOS, it's a little different, right? 40 K you need, you need, you need to be able to block line of sight. AOS it's a little different, but uh, I, I think the end result is going to look really, really good. I think we're going to be setting the bench uh, or setting the, the, the benchmark or the bar, excuse me, for uh, large-scale AOS tournaments. I feel well, confident so, saying that. And SoCal, your tables, We're, all the 40K yeah. tables are just great. You walk by, they match the mat, they all- Themed. Themed, yep. serve the right purpose. And yeah. the, it, uh, the LVO, every single 40K table will be to that standard this year. It's been a big effort. It's a lot of work. It's been a, all year. Yeah, it's been doing a lot of work. All year. So at any rate, um, I'm sure you guys are probably tired of listening to us talk about making terrain. <laughs> but that's really been this. That's been the name of the game that's this right. year. I was say, that's been consuming most of my time for my whole vacation. Yeah. If it has been Christmas stuff. It's been yeah. painting terrain or my wife's home too. So doing stuff with her off and on. Yeah. She keeps getting in the way of finishing the terrain. It's telling you. That's, they do that. So they if do? you, Aww. if, if you uh, are playing AOS and uh, uh, you do listen to this podcast, make sure to say thank you because Scott sac literally sacrificed almost his entire vacation well, to help make, I mean, get this ready. The mountains you guys have finished here, you've got hills as tall as me stacked up yeah. all around. You've been cutting for the last week and a half, yeah. two weeks. <laughs> oh, it's been fun. So at any rate, uh, hopefully everyone is just their eyes go wide and their jaw drops and they're really excited about how cool it looks because that's a big part of what we do is making it aesthetically pleasing. Otherwise, we could just play chess. So <laughs> that uh, hopefully hits the mark for everybody. But uh, make sure to, if you're playing 40K, make sure to get your list uploaded into Best Coast Pairings. Uh, AOS too? Yep. It'll be, both will be up and ready. The same date, correct, for AOS? I believe so. The 25th? 25th is the is the cutoff, yeah. right? Is that what I'm reading? It's for for 40k. The 20 it's the 25th. Um, for the friendly, uh, for 40k friendly, if you're playing in that, you want to make sure to go to the Facebook page and ping Thomas. Uh, he is your uh, he is your head TO, and you want to make sure that your list gets approved first. 
Um, and he's, what he's looking for is to make sure it fits the, the theme of the friendly. If you're playing in the 40K Champs event, you want to make sure to upload your list via BCP. There's a video showing you how to do it. It's fairly intuitive, but uh, anything that's new, sometimes there's a little bit of a learning curve, so you want to make sure to familiarize yourself with that. Is there some leniency on that if they have to change their list? No, once the list is submitted, that's it. The only thing that okay. would change that is if it comes up that you have an illegal list. Okay, right. so if, if there's a must change. Yeah, uh, and then we're going to be uploading the event in Tabesco's pairings this week at some point. Yep. Um, uh, it may be early next week, but uh, right now, since we're processing all the refunds and, and, and then we're going to have, it looks like we're going to have some more tickets to sell too. We want to make sure that we get all that done before we upload the roster into BCP. So, And why do you guys want the lists ahead of time? Uh, we want the lists ahead of time. Uh, well, the reason we're doing it for, for, for 40K specifically, uh, Champs, is because uh, Best Coast Pairings wrote uh, a spider that will crawl everyone's list, extract all the data out, and then we're going to have crazy amounts of raw data on exactly what people are bringing. And then it's going to allow us to, to analyze that data, which if you would like to hear a great podcast on that exact topic, make sure to listen to the last chapter tactics. Pablo and his crew uh, looked at the last year of data and looked at what factions are doing the best, okay. et cetera. But right now we don't get the, to the whole picture. After this, uh, this innovation, which the BCP guys have been working hard on, we're going to be able to go in and like go crazy deep into it and we'll be able to see really mathematically what factions are over and underperforming, what units are being taken more or not. We could go down to the war gear level. It's insane. Like we've never had this amount of, of analysis before. It's gonna help us make the game better, okay. right? Like we can look at that data and we can go, it's not speculation, it's not anecdotal evidence. It's not, uh, I went to the local game store and I got beat by Necrons, and I think Necrons are too good. Even though that may be true for you, we want to get an actual picture. How do they do overall? Yeah. What is their placing? Yeah. Who did they face? How did it work out? Exactly. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds great. Yeah, it, all that it, new stuff. I, it's, it's, it's I know there's people awesome. who've been doing that in AOS separately on their own. So I'm I'm hoping that we can do the same thing for the AOS people who wanted those kind of statistics. I mean, the reason I wanted to do the list when you guys said it, I'm like, well, we'll just do this uniformly get everybody in, is there a podcast that actually go through lists before the event and pick out what they exactly. think are the good lists to talk about? And hype is never bad. No. Talking about it's never bad. And it, it, it'll give me a chance to figure out what a good list is because I can never write one. Yeah. I, I really need that. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun to go play the game of like doing analysis. Like, oh, so-and-so brought this and so-and-so brought that. And it's really exciting and it's fun, right? When like the LGT... They, they did a really simple way of doing this. They just had everybody upload their list into a Google Doc and they published the Google Doc. There was thousands of people looking at the lists. Yeah. So it's really exciting and it's like, why not do it? Um, and do you know the app now has a clock in it? Yeah, oh. It does, I got, got to use it okay. this weekend. It was we, amazing. We, were, we didn't want to steal their thunder. We were going to let them oh. make the announcement. See, they already asked me to go ahead and post it on their thing. Okay. There was a clock okay. in, on their um, app in iTunes, yes, uh, which I haven't done yet and I'll do, I'm sorry. No, it's but okay, it was, it's okay. It was amazing because I ran a tournament this weekend and I'm like, do you want to start the clock? What? Yes, yes I do. 
And so everyone could look at their app and know exactly how much time they had left. Yeah. No more guessing. So another awesome innovation by the best Sorry, coach parents. No, super secret squirrel thing. I was going to let them, you know, they, they did all the hard work. So, but yeah, um, they did. It was amazing. It is. I immediately text them. This is great. When did this happen recently? Yeah. <laughs> they just got it done. So there's some other cool and exciting innovations that the BCP guys have been hard at work making your tournament experience better. So make sure to say thank you to them too. And also please consider um, sponsoring uh, the Best Coast Pairings app by subscribing to them. Uh, that money helps to to keep them going and to keep it getting better and better and better. Because right, it's a business for them. It, it is. For uh, for one of the guys on their squad, it's this full-time job. The other guys are trying to go full-time. And uh, all the things you want to see, like have the Android app catch up to the iOS app and all that stuff, they, it, it takes money to make all these things happen. So. If you appreciate what they do, which you should, if you play in match play environment for AOS or 40K, and they actually, the app works for a lot of other games too, um, consider supporting them because they work their butts off. And one of the cool innovations that they came out with, and it's going to be awesome, awesome for uh, match play for any game, is there's a, a round timer going to be on the app. Right. So you look at it, it's, a, it's the same timer for everybody. And uh, even if you don't have a chess clock or whatever else, um, maybe the, the event doesn't have a, a projector showing the time, like at the LVO, you can't. Like we tried it one year and it's just, it, it, the hole's too damn big. Uh, yeah, it I, didn't I tried work. it at an event and my, my projector just wasn't strong enough. Exactly. If you turn out the lights, you can kind of see it on one yeah. of the walls. And it was like, nah, that's but not you, gonna you work. But you turn off the lights? Like that yeah, doesn't work. It's not gonna yeah. work. We thought but about getting- I need a stronger projector. Cause I know they did it at Adepticon. They put it up on the high end of the wall, but he had a, a stronger projector to get that done. And that was great. Cause you could look yeah. over your shoulder to see it. But on the phones, even better. Because if I set up, I mean, you guys are going to have 700, 800 people. Yeah. You can't just set out a TV or set up one place and everyone will be able to see it. Yeah, it's not possible. I considered getting TVs like plasma screens and putting them around the hall, but it's, it's really expensive. Yeah. But now it's like, yeah. thanks to BCP, we don't even have to worry about it. Just pull your phone out. Oh, hey, dude, uh, we just took an hour to deploy. We need to speed the F up. Otherwise, we're not going to finish yeah. this game. So that's really good. That's really, really good. The other thing, um, well, I don't want to steal any more of their thunder, right? Like we'll let them make the announcement and, um, and talk about it. They've got some <laughs> other really cool stuff. All of it just makes it, it facilitates making it better. Yeah. It just makes it better. Um, so if you're out there and you haven't used it, you should definitely give it a shot. Uh, it makes running an event so much easier. Yeah. I only had 10 players, but basically finishing the event, I just put together my best painted list. The app already had them uh, listed and I was using strength of schedule after win loss points. So it was just like, oh, here's first, second and third. Here's our paint. We're done. Like literally right when we were there done playing, I was able to just get them out the door in like five, 10 and minutes. And then you're done. Boom, boom, boom. Now it'll be a little different in a larger event, but for that, it was just like done. Yeah. And the, the cool thing too was that with everybody uploading their list in advance, um, as soon as you like get your pairing, like you're like, oh, I'm playing Johnny Johnson on table 302. Uh, oh, here's his list. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it just makes it so much easier, right? And uh, really want to say a heartfelt thank you to those guys for bust, busting their butts. Uh, because we wouldn't even be able to run events of the scale that we're at now without it. It would, be not, it would not be possible. So anyway, uh, make sure also to uh, not only get your list uploaded by the deadline, uh, otherwise you will be penalized at the event. You definitely want to do that. Don't let it, just get it done as soon as you can, right? Don't put it off. Uh, if you do want to come and early register for the event, which we super duper duper recommend, 
Uh, it will be Thursday before the event from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the uh, uh, Grand Ballroom. Same place it was last time. Uh, make sure that you if, you, if it's at all possible, you want to register on Thursday. It makes your life dramatically easier. Um, yeah, always get it done in advance. Yeah. Plus, all the, the vendors, pretty much all the vendors will be set up. So um, uh, if you're in a tournament like the AOS or 40K Champs that can run all day, sometimes you don't have time to go check out the vendors. Most of them should... Uh, they're planning to be set up during reg so you can go check them out get first shot at browsing through their um, uh, whatever deals they have and all kinds of good stuff uh, and then of course on thursday night we will have a gw presentation where they're going to be talking about some of the new releases coming out thursday night that'll be thursday night yep and uh <laughs> last time it was standing room only we're moving it into a bigger room this year so uh you, you definitely do want to get there early if you can and of course i can't spoil the surprise but I will say one little teaser. Uh -huh. uh, they told me one of the things they're going to be announcing, and it's awesome. Like, it's so awesome. So uh, I, I don't want to oversell it, but it's, I was so juiced when they told me about it. Uh, so if, you, if you're a Games Workshop fan, which if you come to the LVO, you probably are. Probably are. Uh, you definitely want to check that out. Cause it'll yeah, be last a year's reveal. was amazing. They yeah. swelled, well, AOS-wise, the Witch Elves. and Yeah. Or uh, the Daughters of Cain, sorry. So there's all kinds of cool stuff uh, going to be going there. Um, just, yeah, get excited. And I think I covered everything I wanted to talk about with that one. Yep, oh, and also make sure to get your con badge. A lot of people wait to do it until they get to the event, which is fine, especially if you're on a budget, but you will be standing in a long line. And if you just buy it on the, through the web cart, you can avoid all that. Uh, also, in other news, we are getting ready to update the ITC season. Uh, in order to have a smooth transition from 2018 season into 2019, we need to start working on all of it now. If you're an AOS player, uh, that is largely done, not, not by us here, but by the collective community. Uh, Chuck from Strength Hammer is kind of like the leader of the, uh, the push there. And the ITC uses the AOS community pack that is pretty much universal at this point, in the United States at least. And a lot of people lean on that and pull from parts of it yeah. but it's it's the same kind of thing that gw themselves put out here's the base ideas here's some things to add on to it like a toolkit you can add or take away pieces yeah which is i think right now the way everybody's doing it is kind of make your event yours so it's the same in the itc people always forget this and we'll talk about that a little too because it's funny just i i, I can't well like, you wrote a really good set of rules so everybody just kind of uses that because it's easy but then people are like well i don't i want to do this instead i'm like the first rule of the itc has always been do whatever you want yeah but it's like i can't like it doesn't matter people it just bounces off people and i've, I've had that argument with they over aos well i they, they want me to do it a certain way like, no no they really don't no they, it's a suggestion <laughs> and they suggest ways to do it and actually looking at chuck's pack is a great way to to structure your event how you want to go to go about the paint scores how do you want to lump it all together yeah. or not how is exactly you want your event to feel he's got lots of great suggestions from the community at large that helped them out with that. Yeah. I mean, we helped write part of the pack and uh, we're happy because we're, the ITC is all about working together. That's the entire fundal, fundamental underlying concept is to get everybody working together. Does that mean we have to do the exact same thing? No. It just means we want to be communicating and working together as an uh, overall hobby community because we can do a lot more as a team than we can as individuals. So, well, and I think as TOs, we can both say, read the pack before you go. Yeah. And for TOs running an event, make it clear what your goals are, what you see this event as. 
so that when people show up, they know what to expect. Because you're my biggest form of complaints that I normally get is a misplaced expectations. I didn't yep. either give them enough information or they didn't read what I had put out. And and that's just the way it is. That's where usually problems come in running an event is that misconnection of expectations. The definition of disappointment is when expectations do not meet reality. Right. So that's why we go out of our way to try and communicate things up front so that no one's disappointed. But uh on the 40K side of things for the ITC, there is the questionnaire and it's uh, out there. I've linked it in the show notes. Please, if it if you care, if it matters to you, if it's something that uh, you have feelings about, strong or otherwise, fill it out. I read every single comment and uh, we, we factor in that. Basically, we go off of what that says, right? Like your vote, is it's a, it's a direct democracy um, for all intents and purposes. So. Please fill it out and uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, what what would you like to see change in the coming season? What do you want to see stay the same? And uh, the, the feedback this year has been really interesting because this last year, the ITC has truly gone international. And we have events in South America, uh, Central America, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Europe. And it's really starting to catch on in, in, in um, uh, mainland Europe. It was, it's been popular in Scandinavia for quite some time. The UK is going crazy. So it's really interesting. We're getting a lot of, of international feedback and it's it's been quite an eye-opener because, you know, there, of course there's some misconceptions. People don't really fully understand it. They're used to playing a different way, uh, but it's it's fun to get your points and compete in a friendly manner. Yeah. So so it's like, we're going through a lot of the things we went with, we went through at the beginning of the ITC all over again. And right. I, when I flip through the AOS ITC events to see what I can go to locally, I'm, there's some that are happening in England yep. and a few other places around the world. So that's starting to move out there too, which it is, is great. It's just a matter of time, right? Like it's, it's, it's fun. The system works. It's proven. Um, and you can run your event any way you want and just yeah. score yourself in this method against this group of people. Yeah. And then still score it another way in another system. Because I know England has their own and Canada and Australia all have kind of their own yeah, groups that they they score themselves with. You could do all of them. I mean, really. Yeah, you could do a regional like because we have people that do regional of um, like ranking systems within the ITC, and it's like it doesn't. We sure like yeah. like go for it, have fun. It doesn't have to be an us versus you sort of mentality, but you know, and that's I think everyone's starting to see that, and uh, it's interesting because like a lot like it's starting to really pick up in like Germany and. Um, uh, a lot of countries and they're like, well, we like to play ETC style. Can we still do that and get points? I'm like, of course you can. Like play, play however you want. Stand on your heads, you know, throw pizzas at each other while you play. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, score it in your, your personal system, put it in the uh, app and it scores in the other one. You can just see where you stand in each group. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That sounds actually amazing. It's fun. Yeah. And it's super fun. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you're listening from a country or a place where it's relatively new to you, you don't have to change what you're doing. Nope. Uh, just submit your scores and it, it's, it makes it a lot. You feel connected to everybody else that's enjoying the hobby. And that's that's the whole point. So uh, make sure to fill it, put in your feedback. Going off of what we've seen so far, it's pretty interesting. Whereas last year, it was mostly like super duper positive. This year, you can tell people have definitely, uh, it's still overwhelmingly positive. But you can tell people have definitely settled into the, both 8th edition and into the ITC. And I think people are looking for some changes just to change things up. Yeah. Um, and looking at it so far uh, for the 40K side of things, the primary mission is still like mega popular. Um, 
it's the most popular part of the missions. So uh, that part uh, I feel, feel good about. It's pretty straightforward. The secondary missions have always been the source of the most controversy, uh, both positive and negative. And uh, some of the funny parts about it is the, some of the feedback we've gotten is like, oh, really big, uh, tough units are too good. You need a mission to counter them. And I'm like, yeah, we did. And that yeah. was the one that everyone told us to take out last year. And now it's the one you're saying, put back. And I'm like, all right. Um, well, but, you know, opinions being as they are. Hey, and- you know what? It's, we learn together, right? So now, you know, we'll adjust course. Um, the least popular mission, just like last year, is the one with the least objectives. The most popular mission is the one with the most objectives. And kind of the, the thread that I'm getting through it, because the feedback really is all over the place. There's even a a small group of people saying like, let's just use Maelstrom missions. And I'm like, that's a first. You never had that, but I'm, I, I'm willing to bet those are European players that that's the way that they play. Well, I like the Maelstrom missions, but I don't usually want to play competitive. I kind of want yeah. there to be a chance at any time during the game for me to get back in it or for my opponent to get back in it. It makes it more exciting, but it definitely, you don't want to have a competitive thing where you flip over a card and Hey, I get six points this turn yeah, just because exactly that's, you know, Exactly. It's, That's a little too much of the luck of the draw. <laughs> it is. And it, the thing is, if you want to play Maelstrom missions in ITC, you totally can. Go for it. Have fun. If that's what your local group wants to do, that's what you should do. But for a truly balanced play experience, it's not the most fair, in my opinion. And I spend a lot of time thinking about these kinds of things. But uh, the kind of the common thread that, that we're getting is like people want some more variety in the missions. And it's interesting yep. because the ITC is definitely starting to encompass more casual players now. And a lot of that's coming from the, I'm not a super duper competitive guy and the missions feel very similar and they are, that's a fair critique. The reason that the missions are so similar is because we feel that they are very balanced. Uh, now I'm sure there's people who agree or disagree with that statement, but uh, the more you deviate from the baseline, the greater the chance that the mission determines the outcome more than the players. Right. Yeah. The ones I always get the feedback on that people don't like are the ones where there's a more random element to scoring. Yeah. The more random the element, the less most competitive players like it, and the more casual, more casual players, players like, like it. it. Yeah. So somewhere in the middle of the two is probably the better. It's so it's it's interesting for a, a large audience. Right. Right. It, it's it's interesting. This is going to be a really challenging year to try and thread the needle. I'm batting around all kinds of ideas with the team. I'm like, do we have, like. Do we, do we have alternative mission sets? Maybe we allow you to pick a primary that's more random. That way, if that appeals to somebody that can get that play experience. But then in practice, is anybody going to actually pick it? Like if your opponent picks the more like competitive win track, are you going to handicap yourself by going pure random? I don't know. So Well, I know uh, I went to a one in up there with the Colorado guys that run events up there, and they have a whole system where they have three different decks of cards you take as your secondary. One's easy, one's middle of the ground, one's hard. The harder one's worth more points, but they're really crazy hard things to get off. The easy ones you can pretty much do every time. Yeah. And I, it, that would be like an interesting system for letting people choose the risk reward they want. But I, it, in and of itself, I mean, any system can be gamed. Yes. Because we were all sitting around talking. It's like, is it easier to, to actually take the hard ones because when you get them, it's worth scoring multiple small ones. Mm-hmm. So if you can just pull off half of them, you've already done better than if you pick the easy ones because gamers are going to game the system. It's you, That's, <laughs> It's always funny because people come to me and they're like, oh, well, obviously this. And I'm like, yeah, but we, no one saw that when we started and we rolled these out. It took right. repetitions. And, and like you said, like there's always going to be an optimal path through any system. It, it, 
like it's not possible to avoid that so it's like instead of like acting like that's a bad thing just anticipate that there's always going to be a sell-by date on any system when the collective mind of the gamers finds the optimal win path through it like it's just it's inevitable it's going to occur so then that's why you have to tweak things every now and then but um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So I think for, for this year, the, the plan is we're not going to just take one set of feedback and then make a decision. But the, what I'm at right now with it and talking to the team, they, they're in a, agreement, is we're going to take the feedback, do V1 of what we would think is going to appeal to the most people, throw it out there in the next week or two, get an, another round of feedback, fine tune, and then settle. Yeah, Cause you have a, a large group of players who actually help you with oh, that yeah. Oh, yeah. back and forth. Yeah, well, like there's the whole ITCTO Facebook group, which again, it's a private group, so it, you can't find it by searching. Uh, email me if you're a TO or a league organizer. Yeah, email with the events. And then we'll put you they, in. They made me do that even though I, you know, yeah. they, they know I run the event. We have to vet, we have to vet everybody. Because they didn't trust me, I, I, I don't blame them. I don't trust them either. <laughs> yeah. You have a shifty look about you, Scott. I do, I do. It's those squinty eyes. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to be a part of that, please do. And we bounce the ideas off each other. There's several hundred TOs in there. And then, of course, we listen to everybody else. But uh, it's interesting because it's like, okay, I get it. People want more variety. The mission, the ITC missions as they are, are very similar to each other. Um, and that was done on purpose because we felt like we had done a good job of making them balanced. But it's like people are like, oh, I want more variety, but not the relic. And I'm like, all right, well, then... <laughs> That's, we're talking, you're talking about like this much wiggle room here, um, but it's fun to try and resolve these puzzles. Right. That's, yeah, well, and any new mission will be exciting the first couple of times anyway, even exactly. if it's not so good in the long run. Yeah. Because it's new. Because it's new. I um, mean, all of the new ones from the new book, when we got 18 for AOS, everybody liked playing the new ones right away, but we're, after a few runs, we're seeing some of them are a little more geared to a proper competitive approach and some are a little wonky yeah. when it comes to that. And people are throwing their opinions in at some point and it still isn't clear. We're only six months in, give or take, to the book. So some people still love a particular scenario and hate a different one. And yeah. I'll get a contact that's the exact opposite. They'll say, oh, yeah. don't, don't, don't do this one. It's terrible, Scott. Don't. And somebody else will just emailed me the day before going, that, that one's it. awesome. I hope yeah. that one's in, Yeah, you know. I'd say it, it's, you know, when you have conflicting points of view, you have to compromise. And, uh, and that's where we're at. But uh, one common thread also, and then we'll move on to the next topic, but we could talk about tournament theory forever. Uh, one common theme is that a lot of people want to use the new chapter approved deployment um, where you deploy all your army and then the other person deploys all of their army because the perception is that it will speed things up. It's funny. Some people are like, oh, this sounds interesting. Let's try it. And I'm like, oh, you're new because the game to do that. has yeah. usually been that way throughout the editions. That's been the normal way of doing things. I personally don't care. There's pros and cons to both systems. Yeah, I go back to third. We've done both yeah. back and forth several. So it's... The number fourth edition, 40K, where you deployed your heavy support and then your yep. troops and, and, and then your, you know, your fast or last. I remember um, when it all came down to objectives rather than killing. Yeah. And all people were hurt because they were just used to killing. Yeah. And people would complain, well, you won. Well, I, my, my three Marines that are left living are holding well, the objective. I win. Yeah. But there are only three left. I know, yeah. but that's not how it's played anymore. You know, and so every time there's a change. Yeah. yeah. People haven't played it long enough. Go, oh, this is awesome. Really? Because we did this like three editions yeah. back. And You're like, it's just cyclical. Like we're doing the same things just in different patterns, really. 
so at any rate, uh, it's always fun to talk about this kind of stuff. So if you haven't submitted your feedback, please do. Um, and we're going to go in and start drafting the new versions of, of where we're going. And then, of course, ask for more feedback. And I think that way we'll come closer to hitting the mark for what uh, the majority of people want. Uh, we also have another really exciting announcement. Uh, we just are about to get restocked on FLG mats, and we have two brand new sizes of mats. This is uh, really Oh, that's cool. why it looks different. Okay. Yeah, so we have uh, 30 by 22 inch uh, FLG mats. This would be appropriate for games like Kill Team. Uh, people have been asking for these, super cool. Uh, we're also gonna experiment with doing double-sided versions of these. And if it works, if, if we can manufacture them, you know, smoothly. Well, it should work with the smaller ones because you're not leaning out on it. Well, we'll you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And if it works, we can do it with other sizes. Okay. Um, so that's really exciting. People have been asking for that and those will be available next week. They'll start shipping next week. They're in the web cart now. And then we also have a four by eight foot sizes. Uh, over the years, we've had people ask for these, like not all the time, but regularly enough that we were willing to invest some money into it to see how it goes. Yeah, I've so, got a four by eight at home as my table. It, and that's the thing in, in the United States and uh, Canada too, I, I, I don't think see why it would be any different. Uh, when you go to the hardware store to buy a sheet of plywood, which is what most people make their table out of, it's four by eight foot, that's the standard size. And most people, when they take that home, they put some legs on it, build a table. Yep. Well, now we have a size mat that fits exactly on that. And um, it'd be perfect for games like, you know, Apocalypse or or, or whatever, right? Just just having just that extra space. Just protecting your tabletop yeah. with something pretty. Because, yep. I mean, I do all my D&D games there, so it'd be nice to actually have just a, a mat to cover it. Because through the years, I mean, I've, I've varnished it a few times, but it's, it's getting a little it's thin a little here up. or there. Yeah. Throwing a new mat over the top wouldn't be such a bad idea. It's cool too. Some of the other ideas, which we haven't done yet, but some of the ideas we've been talking about is like, it could be a normal four by six foot mat with a two foot by four foot space for putting your stuff down, right? So all kinds of fun options there. We think it's gonna be appealing. Check it out. If, it, if, if it's something that interests you, you think it would be useful, you can jump in and grab those. And those, again, will start shipping next week. So let's talk about the new uh, Age of Sigmar Battletone, the Gloom Spite Gits. Uh, really cool. So. Kind of an overview for those of you unfamiliar. The Gloomspite Gits uh, used to be the Moon Clan Grots, formerly the Moon Clan uh, Grots, the Spider Fang, and the Trogoths. Kind right. of all put together. Right. And one of the cool things about this, um, for one, it's we're seeing a continuation of the trend in the Beast of Chaos, yeah. where they're taking all these mini factions, which were annoying and difficult to use, putting them into one book. Thank you. Please keep doing this. And you can play them as a group all together and have a big group of 60 grots out there as your gets out there as your main force to tie things up, get some trolls and then maybe some spiders for running around and that fits within the confines of this, or you can actually focus in each one. So just the same as the beasts book. Cause yep. if your generals, the doom bowl general, you, you can get all the guys as your, your big guys as your battle line. Same thing works here. Yeah. So it's, it's much the same template. It's, it's really cool. One of the things I like about it, not only did they re release a slew of just beautiful new models, um, <laughs> it, it feels like old Warhammer Fantasy in the, the respect that it was very irreverent and silly. Yeah. But, but in a good way, right? Like it's not, they're not a joke army, but they're, it's very lighthearted. And I, I think that that's cool. Uh, it's selling really well, so it's obvious. Obviously, it's that, strike the right the right note with people. Yeah, I think the green skins and the the little goblins at the time they they always had that 
about the silliness. Worst. A little bit of silliness. Um, your old days of animosity and infighting or weapons that you know work better because there's others they're competing with nearby or or they could backfire and all kinds of right. you know fun they stuff fall apart on their own. Yeah. So I, I think they strike the right note with that. And again, the, the new models are brilliant. Um, just a cool, like, multi-faceted new faction. So we're going to talk about some of the things that make them unique. Like, probably the best place to start is their army mechanic, which is the Bad Moon. Um, and Scott, you're, yeah. better, you're better equipped to describe that than I am. Well, so when you take your, uh, your game mat, your board, you pick a corner, one of the four corners, and that's where the moon starts. It's not affecting the table in the first turn. And then you roll a dice at the beginning of the second turn as the gloom gets player. On a one, it stays put. Two through five, it moves one space along its trajectory, which is a straight diagonal line across. And I'll pick up the start stops for that. Or if you roll a six, it moves two spaces along that. So it starts in the corner. It goes to the middle of one of the quarters. That would be one. Two, it would go to the middle of the entire board. In that case, it affects everything. When it's in a quarter, it affects only that quarter of the board. When it hits the middle, it's affecting the whole board. And then, of course, it continues on through its path. So if you roll really high, you roll two sixes, it's going to go from one corner to the middle to the other corner and be gone. Or you could roll and a one the first and turn two and it stays in the corner and doesn't do any good for a while. So it's a really random mechanic. And it, it, it benefits each type of unit a little differently. If your boss is affected by it, he gets an extra command point. If your basic... Um, Get units, your basic Moon Clan units, they get uh, re-rolling ones to hit. So everybody gets a little something from it. Tragos heal a little better, etc. Spider Fangs wound on a five and a six with their mortals rather than just a six. So you want to try to get yourself that benefit and move your pieces to where it's going to help them. But I, I really don't think it's something you want to depend on to win a game. Because as I said, you could literally make two rolls and it's off the table. Yeah, that was the thing that got me is that, like, for example, with the Beasts of Chaos, their army-wide special rule is basically just getting extra units for free, and it happens all game. It's very reliable. You can sacrifice guys to get more. This is definitely tying into the overall theme of, like, like the, the the, they're, moon, they're crazy the people. Um, I mean, they're, the leaders of the army are called, like, loon kings and stuff. So it's yeah, not just... something you want to count on. It's like, to me, it sounds like, strategically it's cool when you get it but don't plan on having it well and as a tactic you can decide what corner to put it in it doesn't have to be on your side to start you can put it in your opponent's side because it actually hurts wizards and you can pick units to do mortals wounds to, to that are under effect so you could start in that corner of where you think your opponent's going to put most of his guys so that moon's actually hurting his casting and doing a little bit of damage as it goes through them and will benefit your side so like um the take and hold type missions where you really want the power in your part of the table during the end to hold your objective. It might be sending it from them to you. So that, that's, that's kind of where they start. It's just, it's one of those things that if you enjoy random effects, you're going to like it. If you don't, you're going to not like it. So bear that in mind when you're deciding if you want to play this army. Um, it, it definitely is thematic, but it's, it's just, you, you have no way of control. Like Scott said, it could be off the table in three turns. And then two. Or you two. Round one, it's not affecting anything. You roll a six, it goes to the middle, it affects everything. And you roll a six again, it disappears off the other corner, and that's all you got out of it. Wacky and but wild. it's more likely you're going to get it in the middle of one quarter, 
the whole table, middle of the quarter, then gone because it's a two through five that just moves one space along. Yeah. So let's, you know, bear that in mind, right? Um, uh, otherwise, uh, each one of the sub-factions within it, they have their own special abilities. The bad, the bad moons, the spider fangs, and the trogoths. Uh, one of the really cool new models is the new trogoth boss. Uh, oh, yeah. So cool. It reminds me so much of, uh, like, Labyrinth or um, uh, uh, Dark Crystal. Like a Jim Henson style, like kind of cartoony. Curved, soft edges to yeah. the figure. Looks yeah. almost Muppetish. He does. Yeah. And it, but I like that though. Like I think it's cool. It fits exactly what they're going for. It's... Yeah. So they're uh, really cool models. But um, what are some of the highlights of the sub-factions? Well, each group, if you go within there, your general determines what's battle line. Your shootas and stabas are always battle line. Those are just your basic group of um, grots. And... Those are out on the table. You want to kind of field those because your main terrain piece you get, which is this big giant moon uh, sculpted uh, thing. And it lets you bring back one of those units on a four up every round. So if you lost 60 Stabas on a four up, they appear near the shrine. So you get those half of those guys back every time. So if you started with 60, you get 30 back. If you started with 20, you get 10 back. So it's incentivizing you to take the risk of taking a big unit. Yeah. Because in AOS, a big unit usually dies extremely quickly because of the morale rules. Yeah, and it only does is that it only does um, those two units. Nothing else comes back with it. And you get half every time, and a unit brought back can't be brought back again. So you kind of get a one shot with it. So you're, if you're fielding the piece, which it's a freebie, so... So it'll be, in every, it. it'll be in every army, right? Yeah, it Just, does two things. If you're within 12 inches, you ignore Battle Shock, and it brings back these units. So that's an interesting mechanic where you can recycle things. Um, they brought back uh, the Hand of Gork. So you can pick up a unit that's not in combat, put it anywhere else on the a, table. As a spell? As a spell. Nice. So you've got a little bit of movement shenanigans you can pull off, which is nice. The, um, but each general, like I said, adds it. So your Loon Boss gives you Squigs as battle line. Your loon boss on Squig Hopper gives, or on Squig gives Squig Hoppers as battle line. Your troll obviously gives the base trolls, uh, or Trogoth says battle line. And your Spider Fang boss, or on Giant Arachnorok, gives you spiders as uh, your basic that, Spider as Cavalry battle as battle line. Yeah. So you can, in the way the book's written, you can actually do a focus of any one of those you want. But you can also just pick from each. And I think that's probably the strongest list is Groths to tie things up, Spiders to run around and grab objectives, and some Trolls to basically do your damage for you. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm at with my Beast of Chaos army is I'm trying to decide if I even want to use any battalions or not, or just like freewheel and pick whatever I, I, I want to go with. Because I think they both have really strong options, like pros and cons, which is good. Yeah, and each group has its own kind of set of battalions. There's an over battalion, and then under... I. Didn't point out the Spider Fang one or the uh, Trogoth one, but you can actually do the Goblin one. I keep saying goblins. You can do the Grot one, the Moon Clan one. Actually, you can do the base. You only have to add a Loon Boss, the new um, Sniffers. Yeah. Sneaky Sniffers. Sneaky Snufflers. And the um, the unit that, or the uh, battalion that's your basically units of Grots. You need three units of your Grots. And uh, to form some of the battalions, for those of you who are unfamiliar so with AOS. Give you one, yeah, give you a one drop and two extra artifacts and two extra command points and some decent abilities, but a lot of the 
a lot of things you got to think of when you're paying for battalion, you're getting an extra artifact and you're getting an extra command point, which is 50 points you'd set aside normally. So subtract 50 points from it. And some people say a hundred because the artifact is another 50, but it just depends, right? <clears throat> That's the, the big debate when you're writing your list in Age of Sigmar is do I battalion or do I not? Because a battalion usually has a lot of what a lot of you know people would call tax units, units that they may not have taken otherwise, but then they give you another relic uh, or magical item and another command point, which is pretty dang good, right? So it just depends. Yeah. It depends on where you're, how you want to write your list. Do you want it to be more structured or do you want more freedom? That's the trade-off. And the battalions cost points too, so usually quite a few points. Well, the Moon Clan scrap, I, I just really liked this one. Your, um, what is it? Well, that's the that's the one that's your your Moon Clan group, but you're you have to fill the Skulk Mob, which tells you that once per battle when you bring them back, you get the entire unit. Nice. Rather than half. So when you use your terrain piece, if you have a unit of sixty stabas, you get sixty stabas. Stabas back. That's quite <laughs> quite good. And you don't take battle shock tests if you're affected by the moon if you have the over battalion, and it makes it a one drop. And you can easily fit everything in here. You might even be able to get one of the other two battalions. So you could actually field three. Now I get you up to last 400 points in just battalions, but each has their own abilities. I'm not sold on Gabapalooza because it gives you plus one casting. You only have two casters. So it's like, yeah, it may not be worthwhile. What about but, some of the other uh, battalions for like the spider fangs, for example? I didn't point out if you can do a full spider fang. I'm going to assume you can, since you can do the full moon clan scrap, but spider fang, uh, you, the rerolls here. I, I didn't read this one. Oh, no problem. We I'm don't so, have to, to dig into it. If you, if, if I'm you so excited about this one over here because this is what I've been painting. Right. <laughs> Scott has a full Moon Clan Grot army already. Yeah, but... we've been working on it uh, Wednesday nights off and on for three months now, four months now, give or take. Yeah. And I've got a full unit of 60, a unit of 20, and all my bosses painted, my caster's ready to go. So I was just really excited about that one. So yeah, I'm, I'm drawn to the spider frame grots personally because I love anything that lives in the forest and has feathers and stuff, like what <laughs> else? I'm, that's always my hands down favorite. But uh, did want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Simple Thinking. You subscribe with Twitch Prime. Thank you hey, so thank much. You. Uh, and then a lot of people in the chat are talking about how who is asking for Maelstrom. I know to Americans that sounds like really weird, but uh, in Europe, they, that's the way they tend to play the game is with the Maelstrom cards. So that, that's where that comes from. And that's the comment I was making that the ITC has truly gone international is that we're actually having a sizable amount of people asking for that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, AOS, they always want right out of the book commissions too. So that's kind of normal for in, them. In AOS, that that's the tradition is to yeah. play it right out of the book. Um, but, it's, you know, it's a different game. Well, you're, if you like that, your Skitter Swarm, you're getting add two to your movement. Oh, Wow. So you get and that's for that's three units, uh, as many units of spider riders as you want. Right. And a scuttle boss plus two movement is extremely good. Yeah. Your one I also liked was the squiggle anch. You can actually <laughs> I, field a whole squig army in here. That's awesome. Because you have to do the the squig rider one, which requires you to have two to three units of either the hoppers or the new um, boingy bouncers. Yeah. And Which is a great name. You can have a few of your uh, squig herds and it allows you to put in more squig herds and a mangler. So you can actually just make it an all squig army with a loon boss on a big giant squig. And it's, it's just, I mean, amazing fun. And you're adding three to all your movements. That's extremely good. And yeah, then you eligible can... fight in combat within six inches of an enemy or out of three. The other one adds to movement and bounces. It's just 
So you just give me a big, giant, bouncy army that runs towards your enemy as the red balls come and hit them. That's fun. <laughs> and uh, you could also do a Trog, a Trogoth army. Yes. Um, there's a battalion for them. Which oddly didn't include the name character, it looks like. I thought that was weird when I read through it. They have a name character, Molog. Well, you can just, one from, you just um, add him in your You can list. add him in, yeah. yeah. But not to have him as part of the list of three to nine units of dank hold trolls or fellwater trolls or rock gut trolls. Trogoths, 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 sorry. And zero to two um, yeah, ale guzzlers yeah. in the group. It was, it was odd that they didn't include that one special guy. It is strange, but the way uh, battalions work in Age of Sigmar is that you can add in anything else you want. Like, you can have a battalion and then just throw in extra units. It's no big deal. It just adds extra drops. Right. And right. if you're at two drops, you're still going to get to choose usually who goes first. Yeah. I don't even worry about it. I usually don't. I usually have, like, I usually you know, There take, are two like, strategies. Either you're concerned about it because it's important to you, or you just, just plan not to care. And, yeah. Subtle. My armies never, like, I usually don't even use battalions. My armies are usually just, like, pick whatever I like to save the points on the battalion to get more units. And then I just assume I'm going to lose the, the initiative roll. Yeah, and the name character is a caster and has pretty nasty abilities. Scrag about the Loon King. What, what's yeah. his, what's Oof. special about him? Well, on a four up, you get a D3 extra command points. That's one thing I noticed of going through this book. Like you every, have every way, turn? Or every just, turn. Wow. That's super Every turn. good. And your um, Fungoid Cave Shaman has the same mechanic now, but he gets one if he rolls the four up. You're, if you're under the moon, you get an extra one. So to put that in context for you, uh, in Age of Sigmar, most people start the game with one command point, maybe two, and you get one per turn. One per turn, and so that's it. So if you're it. getting D3 plus one, is it D3 instead of one, or is it D3 plus one? An extra. Wow. D3. So you can get D3 plus two? D3 plus the one if you're under the moon. D3 plus two. That's crazy. You have a fungoid cave shaman. You get another four up. You get another one. That's extremely good. Wolf Priest Carl, Scott loves you too, buddy. <laughs> um, that's that's amazing. And then one of the, the units I thought was the coolest was the... It's like the five different... Or five or six different uh, grot shamans. Gobblepalooza. Yeah. Well, they're not it. shamans. Three of them give bonuses. One gives uh, re-rolls to heroes to hit. Another one gives you... Um, uh, an effect to rolling charges, and the other one gives you uh, re-rolling ones to wound. That's really good. So you can have this group near like your Mangler Squig boss. Say, okay, re-roll all your misses, re-roll ones to hit, and here's an extra movement to your charge. Go for it. That's really good. And have them run into the enemy as a giant mess. And then he can get a command trait that actually says, um, live to fight another day, I believe is what it's called. And they just walk out. <laughs> just runs away. I did my damage. I gotta go, yeah. guys. You got yeah. this. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what are some of the other new units that jumped out at you, Scott? Like the, oh, well, uh, the Cal everyone loves the uh, Squig Cavalry unit. You get the Loon Boss on Mangler Squig is new, mm -hmm. and he he's he's great if you're going to do a Squig type army or have Squig forces. But everyone likes the uh, trying to find it now. Is it the, uh, the Squig? There we hoppers? go, Boingy Bouncers. The Boingy. Well, they're what? Um, so you're at four four rend one one damage. Add one to the rune roll made with attacks and there's lance when they charge. So you can bounce in, hit things really hard. And they're not that expensive. I believe they're hovering at about 100 points. And in uh, AOS, anytime you have a unit that has two attacks that are, have any rend characteristic at all, they're a really good unit. Yeah, Boingy Bouncer is 100 points for four. five of them. That's not bad So at all. 10 wounds for 100 points. And you're getting two attacks with that 4-3 rend 1-1 one, one damage. It's really good. The... Uh, New Mangler model is really great. A lot of character in that. The bottom squig kind of almost looks like a bulldog. The way they got his snout turned up and yeah. the tail flipped about. And 
his whole mechanic, they start like a D6, 3D6 move, goes to 2D6, 1D6, but then it goes back up to 2D6, yeah, 3D6 as they take more damage. That's kind of cute. And all of the effects do that. All their, their chains, damage, chance to hit. They have that curve. Good yeah. when they start, good when they're about to die. And the same thing when it's a character. And almost all the characters, you can add a trait of plus two wounds to that to them. That's Can't excellent. do that to the wizards. It's the only one they didn't let you add two wounds to. Yeah. But the rest of them, you can make a troll with two more wounds. Your uh, loon king with two more wounds. Loon boss with two more wounds. So you can do the whole thing across the army. Uh, Stir Crazy says, be cool if my sisters of slaughter and witch elves had Rin one. No, it would not. <laughs> They're good enough as they are, sir. They get crazy. enough stabbing. Yeah, you don't need plenty of stabbing. You you are getting greedy there, sir. They're they're the best army in the game. All right. And the the s sneaky snifflers. At first, I thought like their attacks. They just have to put in to get that battalion. But when you read what they do, so at the start of the movement phase, they can say, okay, well, we're looking for truffles. Yeah. And a new unit nearby gets plus one attack. They can just pick another uh, Moon Clan unit and That's say, excellent. get one more attack. Yeah. You can do it more than once. Every time you do it past the first one, they take 2d6 mortal wounds. That's still extremely so good. So you can get two of these units in your big group of 60, and you lose 2d6 of them, big deal, and they're getting two attacks each right. above their normal number of attacks. That's crazy. <laughs> so does anybody in chat have any specific questions about uh, the Gloom Spite gets? Uh, let us know. There's a little bit of a delay, so we'll give them a couple seconds. The, uh, the other unit that I was really uh, enamored by was the new uh, Raka Tragos. They look oh, the character so yeah. good. Uh, really, really, in, um, just really like the way that the, the, the aesthetic of the models uh, gives you, because they, they look just like the big Trog boss. Um, and they also have two inch uh, reach weapons, two attacks, three to hit, three to wound, Rin two, three damage. They hit almost as hard as Bulgors, which is crazy. Um, they're really good. Plus, they're extremely durable, as one would expect. Uh, thanks for the broadcast. Never mind, Jamba. You gets. Yep, thank you. You're totally, uh, totally welcome. Uh, I just got here. Is it possible to make a complete troll army? Asks. Yes. Uh, Stir, Stir Crazy, you totally can. There's named character, Trogoth boss. There's a new Trogoth big monster dude. And then there's three different. No, there's four different Trogoth units or three? But you've got your, yeah, you can do the, the Danklor Trogoth and just do them as a unit. Oh, and then there's Molog, too. Molog, who's uh, an, an individual with uh, special guys with him. Oh, and Molog is the character from the Shadespire Warband. Yeah. So you can use him and his little buddies in Age of Sigmar as well, which is really cool. Yeah, Rock Gut Trogoths, Fellwater Trogoths become your battle line as long as you have a Dank Lord Trog boss. So yeah, you, you can definitely do an all-troll, all-Trogoth army. Um, what the uh, the question that I was waiting for, Ice God twenty twenty one asks, what uh, do you think they're going to be a, a competitive uh, top tier competitive army? Uh, and it, again, guys, if you want to see them in action too, uh, Games Workshop had Sylvaneth versus Gloomspite gets on their uh, yeah. channel. Check that out. And uh, the the, the Gloomspite gets one, if I remember correctly, but the Sylvaneth army was not a tip of the spear competitive list. So yeah, I don't remember if they won or not. I was just so excited they were talking about the rules. Yeah. That's all I cared about. Well, what do you think, Scott? In your opinion, you, your opinion's more accurate than mine in this regard. Uh, if you say so, I'm never much for winning competitive events. Just look at my standing at 137, in, in the ITC, whatever. Yeah, but um, it's not too bad though. Well, that's only because I get my enough events nearby. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but no, like I say, I think the competitive write-up in the long run is gonna be a little bit of everything. A group of 60 to keep back the guys. 
your trolls for doing the damage, your spiders for running around to, to grab objectives and harass units. You have plenty of little things you can throw out there to do things with. And I think mixed is mixed from this book is going to be your best call. I think what will originally jump out to everybody is just making tons and tons of grot units out there, just moon clan grot units. Cause you've got enough buffs you can hand them to give them the ability to do mortal wounds on sixes, increase their number of attacks, give them a rerolls. There's lots of little things to just make those units really great. But I think moving that many units is going to get tiresome for people. And it's really hard to play a tight game with that many models. And that's kind of what you need yeah. to do is make sure you're not blocking yourself out or allowing your opponent an in to either charge you or maneuver into combat with you. And when you have 60 guys, you're trying to move and group. It, it can be cumbersome. It, I mean, I think, like I said, I think the jump out will immediately be just field tons of guys. It'll be hard to get rid of there and hit like a ton of bricks. It'll be great. But I think in the long run that those diverse units are going to be better. You're just going to get more out of it with being able to tie something up with your grots. And when you're ready to kill it, just send the trolls in to finish that thing off or send the trolls at the big monster you wanted gone. You've got plenty of different spells to throw around. I mean, you've got new spells to block things with. I really think your competitive go would be as broad based as possible. Yeah, I, I think that's true of uh, with the Beast of Chaos too. Like I, I find myself taking everything. Um, Stir Crazy wanted to give you a shout out. Said you and he had played in the past, had a great game. And I'm sure he won. Wolf Priest uh, Carl says that we should do some troll dancing, and he wants to see Scott on the show more. Uh, troll dancing. Uh, I'm I am very interested in what that looks like. Yeah, well, uh, what is troll dancing? What is that? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, uh, Stir Crazy also said he thinks it might be a good matchup for Daughters of Cain because of the numbers, which I think everybody wants to see Daughters of Cain get knocked off their pedestal just a little bit because <laughs> they're smashing people right now. But uh, that is interesting, and we will have to, to wait and see. Yeah, they're, they're smashing people, but I think they're a, a good army because the players playing them are good. Yeah. They require a lot of synergy it's and a lot of hard work to make win on a regular basis, because I've played plenty of Daughters guys, I, I take apart with just simple Iron Jaws and stuff. It's because yeah. if you don't have those synergies, all of a sudden it falls apart. Yeah, and it becomes- It's not like some of the old ones the day where they didn't need to be nerfed because you just put them on the table and you almost won. Yeah, it becomes a virtuous circle when the when everyone is like, oh, this is the best army, and the, the next best thing player, place. now I'm playing it, now we're all doing it, and now we've just reaffirmed our bias in the beginning. Right, and it'll just roll back over on its own. Uh, K.R. Quinn said he wanted to hear about the endless spells, and I think oh, okay. be, we'll cover those, and then we'll move on to the next segment. Um, I, I don't know them very well. I'll leave so this one you get the Scuttle Tide. I'll start in the back because that's the one I thought was the most interesting. You, that's that big group of spiders. They come from any terrain feature on the table, so you don't have to. You know, there's no range limit to it, so you can cast them anywhere out there near a terrain feature. And they move out from that area. They're a big blockade in the way. They do mortal wounds if you move into their range. They do mortal wounds. And I mean, the piece is like this big. It's good size. Yeah, it's six, seven inches long. But if you're playing your spider fang, you can just go right over them and you don't care. Right. They don't bother you at all. So it's this great wall. You can block something. And then it's when you need really to go across strong. to attack, you can. Um, you've got your the mighty shroom. So that one was uh, after the model is set up and at the start of each battle round after that, a unit within eight inches of this model is enveloped by spores, rolling numbers. And for every model on a five up, 
Every model within eight inches and a five up, it does a mortal wound. So that's good. You can drop that someplace you don't want anybody to be, like let's say an objective. Right. Oh, well, that one's easy for you. Let's thunk. Yeah, that Keep one's away from it. That one's solid. Um, then the malevolent moon. Casting value of six. Uh, blah, 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 cast it within twelve. After this model moves, roll a dice for each unit that has um, passed across on a two plus. Take D three mortal wounds. Yeah, that's your moon. And then uh, moon of ill omen. Subtract one from casting roll for casters within nine inch, and subtract two from uh, casters within three inches of it, unless your gloom spike gets wizard and you're not affected. Gets. And there's lots of uh, bonuses to casting. If you're under yeah. the moon, you get a bonus. There are a couple other ways you can throw yourself an extra plus one. That one's really good. You're stopping spells and you're hurting your opponent. So yeah, the mighty shroom is kind of like that comet. It hits the ground, it's doing damage in a certain area, and mm -hmm. it just stays there and keeps throwing that out. And then you got scrap yeah, the cauldron with the legs, arachna cauldron. <laughs> that's a mouthful and what does this one do Scott? Uh, yeah, adding plus one to your casting for all your scuttle uh, all your uh, models your moon clans all the lore spells uh, any caster near it can pick any of the spells not just the one he picked at the beginning of the game so any of your moon clan spells he knows it nice yes it it's a it's a little pricey for the effect but I mean if you're gonna do heavy casting here's something where you can get other guys in to cast that spell you want cast right I need to do Hand of Gork, but the guy I gave it to, he had to do a different spell this time. This guy can now go over to that cauldron and take care of that spell for me. So that's that's an interesting one. And it does move around. It got legs, so. Well, that's cool. Well, then that's, uh, there you go. Four new uh, endless spells. Very interesting. And uh, I'm curious to see how the Gloom Spike gets due on the tabletop. They will be legal for the LVO. And I don't know if people have enough time to get them built, painted, and practiced. A lot of guys are already building and painting them, so it'll be cool we'll to see them. them. It'll we'll be cool them. to see them. So uh, upcoming events this weekend in the 40K ITC scene. We have uh, a bunch of events. It's interesting. December used or December, <laughs> December January yeah. used to be really quiet in the old days. Well, now they're all LVO preps. Now it's smashed full. So there's tons of events. I know that if you're a UK player, there's quite a few ITC events. Uh, LVO prep events in the UK now that are running ITC missions because a lot of people in the UK don't play ITC missions even if they are participating in the ITC. So if you want to get some practice before you come to the LVO, check those out. I know a lot of um, the, our UK listeners and friends are, are going uh, just get some more reps under their belt. And really interested to see how Mike Porter does because he's the, he's the UK's pride right now. He's number two in the rankings, and he's coming to, to try and win it all. Nice. Um, yeah, we wish him success. We also have a, a bunch of uh, AOS events coming up in the month of January, including a GT. The, the Adeptus Gentlemanus presents Age of Sigmar Crucible GT. That is the best name I've heard in a while. That's in Gilbert, Arizona, if you want to check that out. Uh, also, your current... What's that? I was going to say, there's, I know there's another GT this weekend, and that's up in the Bay Area. John's running that one, John Fielhelm. Oh, that's right. He Winter invited Wars us to three. That. So Winter Wars 3 is up there. I'm and still then, planning on driving after my D&D &D game on Friday to go up there and play. You're a, you're a trooper. So we'll see. Uh, and that's up in the Bay Area of California. So yeah. definitely give that a check. Give that a look. Uh, your current top five ITC coming down the home stretch towards the LVO. Nick Nonavati continues to lead the pack in first place, followed by Mark Mike Porter. Third place is Trent Northington. Fourth is Nick Rose. Fifth, Matt Root has jumped back into the top five. Your hobby track, uh, Matthew Bodnarchuk, is in first place. He will be at the LVO. He's confirmed. I was talking to him uh, via email the other day. He's very excited. He hopes to hold on to his first place uh, position. 
Scott Rumpel is in second, Michael Ralston in third, James Kelling in fourth, Lou Rollins uh, riding on his good placing at the SoCal Open has jumped into fifth, uh, and I believe he will beat the LVO too, so it's going to be very exciting to see these beautiful armies there. Your AOS ITC top 10 or 5, Joe Cryer continues to lead the pack. Also the only player with a major score. Yeah, it's five out of five, yeah. Yep. So uh, all these other players, depending on how they do at the LVO, it's going to shake this up dramatically. Uh, we have Jeremy Vessier in second, Matt Pashby in third, James Thomas in fourth, Bill Souza in fifth. Your hobby track, current top five for AOS. Sid Singh in first, Philip Verduzco in second, Josh Lara in third, Ben Nelson in fourth, Joseph Halifaker in fifth, and again, wow. LVO is going to shake this up. Yeah, a lot of those are three out of five events. You guys need to get to an event and get some scores in. Well, you know what? It's the first year we've done it, and yeah. a lot of people just simply did not even know it was a thing. Yeah, I still got to put in mine from last weekend. I have the paint thing sitting right next to my computer. Who's that in eighth place? Scott not, Reed? Not me, no. Scott Reed. Scott's I, armies are beautiful. That's a fluke. It's a fluke. <laughs> Your armies look really good, dude. You well, it's also, there's only, you know, two scores out of it, so it's... Fair enough. <laughs> hey, it's new. Uh, it's it's a new ITC track. It's going to take a couple years for it to really gain steam. That's just the way it, that's the way it works with all of them. Uh, top five, Shadespire. We have Mike Course sitting in first place, followed by Andrew Everhart, Adam Brazel. I always think of Street Fighter whenever I read his last name, when Blanca, Brazil. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was always fun. Uh, he's in third place, Brandon Ulick in fourth, Matt Everhart in fifth. And again, the LVO is going to shake that up quite a bit. We have a lot of people signed up for Shadespire. Uh, in the tactics corner, wanted to give a shout out to our Team Zero Cop teammate, Junior. He won our local league. Uh, there's like 60-something players in it. Nice. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and again, big shout out to Yu Yao. Uh, Coop Juice and uh, Keith, they're the ones who organize it. Thank you for all the hard work. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Junior won, and he won with a really interesting list. Um, so we wanted to go over it because I'm sure maybe, you know, people are always love to hear about lists. So he went 5-0 uh, in the top pod of the league. The way we break it down is um, based on how well you do, you go up or down in, in pods. Right. It, it sounds just like the way they used to the old fantasy one at yeah. Game Empire here, where you'd move into the group that you kind of match. And then yeah. after each group, after each season, you'd move to wherever you were. Right. So if you won a lot, you move up. If you lost a lot, you move down. If you roughly were 50-50 to kind you of keep where you where are. Right. Yeah. It, and it makes it so that you're playing people that are kind of on the same wavelength. And it's, 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 it's a lot more fun. It's a really, if you have a huge league like we do here, it's a really good way to structure yeah, I it. I love that format in fantasy because yeah. I would end up playing mostly people who built armies like mine, built yeah. the same lists, same kind of ideas. and you, you get a good game. You get a fun game. and Because yeah, you're matched with somebody who sees it the way you do. Exactly. You know? it, it works really well. Uh, and uh, Junior won the top pod. Well done. And then our pod, it's funny, uh, uh, Frankie, Jason, and myself all dropped down because we missed the last one, which is fair enough. And now it's the three of us need to play each other to determine who's going to win our pod. So that would like be in fun. the middle, middle one or the bottom? Uh, we're in the upper middle. Okay. Because when no, we actually, did the fantasy the, one, if you were middle. out for one cycle, they put you in the bottom again. Yeah. Which was always annoying when I, because I was usually at the bottom or second to bottom. And yeah. some guy's going through who doesn't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're in the middle. And uh, it's funny because the three of us, it's going to be whoever defeats the other two wins the pod. So that'd be fun. Uh, but Junior's list, it's really interesting. Uh, I thought it was worth talking about. Uh, he has the kind of a, a, a variation of the Brave 32, the Loyal 32, which you see in a lot of Imperial lists. Uh, it's a company commander uh, with the regular bits and bobs. It's Cadian, too. And uh, Primera Psyker, 
uh, three infantry squads with a mortar, and then a heavy weapons uh, team with three mortars. Uh, and there's three of those, if I remember correctly. Um, a super heavy detachment, and this is where it gets different. Um, he has a, uh, uh, he goes Hawk Shroud, has a Valiant, a Gallant, and then a Helverin. Um, not what you normally see, and he and I are in agreement, I play a similar list, that the, uh, the, the Valiant is way underrated in 40k. Uh, it's the Knight with the Harpoon and the Flamer. And with Hawk Shroud, uh, you get access to the Relic uh, Flamer version, which you get to reroll failed wound rolls, makes it exceptionally re uh, reliable. But you can Overwatch four other units a la Tau. So it's really, really difficult to engage these units in melee, and that's where Knights are usually more vulnerable. Uh, and then Hawk Shroud also lets you double the amount of wounds you have left for determining your you know, damage band. Makes it so that you basically ignore the damage table until you're about just about to die. Uh, really effective. And um, I've only seen him lose one game so far with this army at a tournament, and that was against a um, uh, Harlequin jet bike haywire army that went first, which yeah. knights can't do anything to that, really. You just, yeah, if they go first, you just die. I've heard knights are very strong. I haven't played much. They're exceptional. Um, the new book dropped, and I think I've got it in one game. Yeah, they're, they're, they're <laughs> ex extremely good. Uh, and then the other part of it, too, is Blood Angels, which is... And it's not the way you're used to seeing it, too. It's uh, three scout squads, Lamartes, uh, yeah. Smash Captain, and then uh, 15 Death Company. So really interesting, uh, very aggressive, very mobile list. It's, it's kind of a common theme. Like you, everyone's used to seeing Knight plus Guard plus something else. Right. But, but this is a different flavor of it, and it's working really well. So if you're curious to try something different oh. out there, give it a whirl. I'll use. Yeah. yeah. Uh, give it a give it a whirl. Uh, Junior's been doing really well with it, and again, congratulations to him. Those are such serving models. Yeah. So Scott's getting a preview of our recently completed commissions. Uh, Mariana will throw these up for those of you listening to us. These are Kingdom Death models, which uh, it's, it's the baby very bear. disturbing. They're very disturbing models. <laughs> In a good way, I like it. It's not to everybody's taste, but uh, they're definitely weird. And uh, this is a giant anglerfish monster baby with hands in his mouth. Hands uh, coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Well, this one has hands coming out of his rear end. I took a the next monster. I took a different angle of it just so that you didn't have that. Thank but, you. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah. They're very weird, but I like Amazing it. Amazing looking, though. Yeah. Beautifully sculpted. Uh, and these were painted for a client. We did all of them, and you'll see more of these as the weeks roll by. Uh, and then, of course, we have a um, Iron Hill Dwarf. Lord of the Rings commission that we recently completed. It's absolutely beautiful. And the client was ecstatic. Uh, very, Those very look great. Very happy. You know, it's a beautiful. Oh, army. yeah. There is it all together. Yeah. Snow theme on the bases. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous, nice. gorgeous army. And um, we're always taking new commissions and we're also always looking for new talent. So if you would like to get your army painted with us, uh, check us out at flgpaintstudio.com and uh, you can submit uh, a quote request there. Uh, we do good work. Take care of our clients. We do. I like those. Yeah, we've been in business for. A long I get time. to see them up close all the time when I come in to visit and our <clears throat> play play really build terrain. Yeah. The um and they're always amazing. Uh, Wolf Priest Carl's asks, question: Reese, everyone gets a nickname. Will what's Scott's, or can we devise one? Uh, we'll put that in your hands. Well, yeah, nick nicknames you can't choose them; they have to be given to you. Yeah. Sadly, you can't choose your own. Nickname. That way, you get really terrible ones all the time. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Scott, that's, that's not much of a nickname. But. Um, Darth Jew, the uh, dwarf minis are made by uh, Games Workshop. Yeah. 
That's actually the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or whatever they call it now. They yeah, they do uh, rather than heroic scale, their reality scale or whatever they call that. Because so their arms are thinner, but they look properly in proportion. Yeah. Is where most Warhammer figures are considered heroic scale, so everything's a little beefier on them. Yeah. Which makes them far easier to paint. They'd go nuts painting those little models. I think it was like something like the contract with the movie studio. They had to be did they scale correctly? I don't know. I mean, I, it's really the same with like Malfoy. I like the models, but they're all at that thin little fiddly scale. And I painted up one group. And I'm like, that was great. I'm done. Yeah. I'm not... <laughs> heroic scale is just is easier. Just to, easier. It's, it's it's more suited for tabletop. Uh, if anybody has any questions, fire them our way before we wrap up the show. And then we'd be happy to answer them. But yeah, I, I, I prefer heroic scale uh, very much. So, and then you have uh, War Machine, which is like ultra heroic scale. Where the weapons and the armor are just dramatically exaggerated. Yeah, stir crazy. I, I've been waiting for the tiny green horde and my regular green skins. I have an entire army painted up from the first uh, LVO that did AOS. So I, I want my green skin book because they're already painted. They just need rules. Yeah, indeed. Well, it looks like uh, that was it for the questions. So thank you very much to everybody for joining us for this episode of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're excited for Gloom Spike Gits. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks like it's going to be pretty good. Uh, to Buzz J, will we review the Gene Steeler Cold Codex when it drops? Yes, we sure will. Yeah, um, not me, and, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would be useless there other than asking questions. What is that? How does it do it? Sometimes asking questions is uh, the best place to start. And uh, we are very excited to see everybody at the Las Vegas Open. Please make sure to grab your tickets. If you are on the wait list for any of these events, uh, keep an eye on your email inbox Thursday, tomorrow the 10th. That's uh, when we'll be shooting out the email, letting people know if there are any more tickets available after processing uh, refunds and transfers. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you.